to the Red Light Report. Your number one source for all things red light therapy. Where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Hey there, guys. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Red Light Report. Appreciate every single one of you for joining me today. At the time of this recording, it is early March. We're a couple weeks out from spring. Hurrah for that. My goodness. Uh, Stuck up here in the gloomy weather still in Montana. Uh, I thought we had ditched uh, the snow for, for the season, but of course... That's never the case in Montana. We just got a fresh coat of snow this morning. But regardless, looking forward to the spring weather, looking forward to some sunshine, being more active outside, grounding, getting into the forest, hiking more, all that good stuff. So a lot of good things coming down the pike in terms of weather and season. But also, as time goes on, we're going to have more and more research coming out as it relates to photobiomodulation, which is what we're going to be covering today. I have three pieces of research that we'll cover. The first one is on hearts and heart failure specifically. So that'll be an interesting one. That's the one we'll go most in depth into. And then there's a new research article that came out last month on concussion. That's a case study. And then lastly, case report, and this one is on being able to modify the microbiome with photobiomodulation. So we're getting more and more of this type of research coming out uh, where red light therapy, photobiomodulation is able to positively alter the gut microbiome for, you know, a multitude of health and wellness benefits. But before we get into the research, I have a pretty interesting anecdote as it relates to red light therapy. I think if you follow BioLite on Instagram or social media, you may have seen my post that I did when my German Shepherd scratched my face. We were uh, wrestling in the living room and his paw just happened to get my face. So I had a pretty nice scratch or three scratches along my face and one right along my nostril that sliced that open. So I did a, a, a post of what red light therapy did in six days from the moment I was scratched to six days later, and it basically went from looking pretty uh, gnarly to virtually gone. And so I thought that was a pretty good demonstration, the power of red light therapy. It's like, yeah, those scratches would have healed in due time, but without a shadow of a doubt, the wounds healed exponentially faster, no sign of scarring or anything like that. So they healed quicker, better, and you got to make the moneymaker looking as good as possible. So skin health, wound healing on the face. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. And so the follow-up to that is, speaking of my dog, his name's Kygo. He's a long-haired German Shepherd. Uh, but Kygo, he got this gnarly, gnarly cut on the left side of his face, so his lip. And it was gashed to the point where, in hindsight, we probably should have taken him to the vet and gotten him some stitches just to make sure the two pieces, more or less, because, I mean, the collagen in that upper lip was just basically sliced a solid inch. And so, it started off as probably half an inch, and I did red light therapy. It started to heal pretty darn well, but then I think between playing with our neighbor's long-haired German Shepherd and then chewing on bones and chewing on tennis balls, I think all of that exacerbated the wound and it was like taking one step forward, two steps back. So we got rid of 
playtime with his neighbor friend, unfortunately. We got rid of playing with balls and we got rid of the bones. And I've just been doing red light therapy to his lip once a night. And man, I wish I would have taken a picture when he initially had this uh, that initial gash. But it's one of those things where you don't really think to take a picture because all you want to do is, is get him better. But in hindsight, I wish I would have taken a picture because compared to where it was where Again, he probably should have had stitches because the gash was that big to the point now where, and I had no idea what red light therapy was going to do in all honesty. Of course, I just know of its potential, what it can do at the physiological level between energy and healing and blood flow and building up elastin and collagen production. So I knew there was a chance something good may come of it. I just didn't know how much. After about seven or 10 days of consistent Red light therapy, and I'll give you the uh, breakdown of the protocol, if you will, in a second here. But again, it was about an inch long from his lip up into the, again, it's almost like collagen, pure collagen in that area where it was torn, which is why I probably should have had stitches initially. But the, but the point being is it's basically, I would say, 80 to 90% filled now, meaning there's only a little bit left that you can see where there was that cut or that gash where it was split. So it's gone from about an inch to, let's say, 80 to 90% gone. And it's filled with, with fresh tissue, with fresh collagen. And I'm blown away. Again, I wish I had pictures or video or something of what it looked like initially and what it looks like now because it's way better than even the demonstration I did with my face in the wound healing. So I gave you the protocol. So I'm pretty excited and, and pretty tickled that, you know, of course, my my puppy and my little Kai goes doing better. But uh, man, what a feather in the cap for red light therapy. I mean, I swear, it's just a Swiss army knife if you think to use it. And I think the more a person uses it, the more likely they are to pull it out of their pocket, you know, so to speak, and use it, whether it's for skin or pain or sleep or, you know, your pet has, has some sort of issue. Man, it's, it's just a Swiss army knife, non-invasive, safe. So here's the protocol. I use the shine and I use the red and near infrared combo setting. And the reason why I used near infrared, because if you're familiar with red light therapy, you know that red light is specifically for skin health because it only penetrates deep enough to treat the skin and no deeper. So if you're ever going to do something deeper, of course, you have to incorporate near infrared because that treats anything deeper than the skin. Um, so typically when you're doing wound healing, whether it's on yourself or, or a pet, you only need the red light. But because Kygo's cut on his lip was so deep and long, because it was over an inch and it was through his lip virtually, I figured you might as well use near infrared to promote the healing process at a deeper level. So hopefully that collagen at a deeper level and the circulation at a deeper level will help accelerate this deeper wound for his lip. And so again, I use the red near infrared light combo. And what I would do is I would have to curl out his, his upper lip because the gash was in there as well. So I'd curl his upper lip out, hold it there while he's lying on the bed. And I would slowly scan. And if you know what the uh, shine looks like, it's a handheld device and it's 12 LEDs, so there's four rows of three, so it's three, 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 three from top to bottom. And the first setting when you turn the device on is the red near-infrared light combo. And what it looks like is the top three lights are red. And then the second row is nothing, which is near-infrared because near-infrared light is invisible. And then the third row is all red, 
And then the fourth row is invisible or near infrared. So it's kind of like the red light near infrared, red light near infrared. So I have that face in my dog with his lip curled out so I can expose and irradiate the wound. And I would start with the top of the shine, meaning the red light. And then I would just move the shine up slowly so that his lip would get irradiated with red light. And then as I move the shine up, then it would get irradiated with near infrared. And then as I continue to move it up some more, it would get irradiated with red again, and then near infrared. So you can kind of visually see, since the device was red near infrared, red near infrared, holding the device with one hand and moving that shine up. And then once I reached the bottom of the shine device, I would just slowly move it down again. And I'm out about six to 10 inches from his lip. And so you can imagine, as I'm looking at his wound to make sure I'm, I'm targeting it with light properly, it looks like his lips getting irradiated with red, and then the red kind of darkens to nothing, which is the near infrared because that's invisible. And then as I keep moving the shine, then it gets irradiated with red again, and then near infrared again, and then vice versa. So it was this scanning pattern where I'd move the shine basically up and down very slowly. By slowly, I mean it probably took let's say 10 to 15 seconds each direction. And I would just go back and forth, back and forth. And I would do that for about four to five minutes. And I would do that once per evening. And that's what I did the past seven to 10 days. I'm still doing it as I record, but I think that I'll be able to be done with his treatments by the end of this weekend. So probably another four to five treatments. And I think that gash that should have gotten stitched will be completely healed all thanks to red light therapy. And then of course, taking away those irritants like I talked about before. Because when he chews on bones, he'll chew on those for hours at a time. And when he plays with his tennis balls, he always has one like stuck way up into his lip. So it's kind of pushing out on his lip, which isn't an issue. But when he has the gash, I think it was just irritating it. And then of course, playing with his neighbor friend, his neighbor, German Shepherd, between the tussling and, and biting each other, I think that probably wasn't helping anything initially either. So taking away the irritants, adding the healing power of light and a pretty massive wound will be completely gone within a couple of weeks. So I know that was kind of long-winded, but pretty exciting to share some anecdotal evidence of red light therapy outside of the research. The research is great because it, it definitively proves from a scientific perspective, but then to have these anecdotal experiences to share with you guys, I think is more powerful not only does it work for humans, it works very well for animals as well. But let's move into the research now. This first one's going to be on heart health, specifically heart failure. This article came out in December of 21, not too long ago, a couple months ago. The research article is entitled Light Emitting Diodes, so LED, Photobiomodulation improves cardiac function by promoting ATP synthesis in mice with heart failure. So yes, it's in mice, but I wouldn't report on it if results weren't pretty profound or interesting. And of course, that's typically how, how research goes. You do cell culture first, and then animals, and then human. This is kind of the stepwise progression. So here we are in the animal phase. And I'm sharing this with you because not only are the results pretty interesting and profound, but there's just not that much research out there as it relates to photobiomodulation and heart health in general, which is why in my uh, protocol ebook, I don't have any protocols for heart health just because there's not enough research yet. So seeing this come out was pretty exciting. 
because I, I'm hoping this is kind of the beginning of getting this type of heart research uh, with red light therapy out there. Because as we know, the heart is one of the most mitochondrial dense tissues in the body, really just outside of the brain. And so it makes sense that since red light therapy therapeutically benefits mitochondria, that the heart should be realizing some of these benefits. There's just not any research right now to show that. So without further ado, let's let's dive into this, this research article. In the beginning, just some background information on heart failure. It goes on to say that heart failure, the common consequences of various cardiovascular diseases, has a high mortality and morbidity rate and occurs mainly in middle-aged and elderly people. And it's characterized clinically by low cardiac output and edema. For the pathogenesis of heart failure, the current treatment is mainly pharmacological and interventional. However, some heart failure therapeutic drugs have been shown to cause undesirable side effects, which in turn can lead to an increased burden on the body. Therefore, new therapeutic approaches are necessary for patients with heart failure. And we'll see this time and time again with uh, diagnoses, is that there's going to be some combination of pharmacological intervention. And of course, there's always going to be undesirable side effects, not to mention the cost. So whenever you have these potential new therapeutic approaches like red light therapy, it's exciting because it's safe, it's effective, it's non-invasive, it costs less. So what's not to like about that? So anyway, moving on here, and this is the LED phototherapy protocol that they used. And so for the animal experiment here, they did four weeks after the heart failure surgery where they did a seven-day phototherapy regimen, and it was started in the heart failure and red light therapy group. And so the operation was performed as follows. The LED red light therapy group of mice were manually immobilized on a manipulator table and LED, the red light was applied dermally, meaning to the skin, of the fifth ribs, which between the fourth and fifth ribs or fifth and sixth ribs is where you're going to be able to target the heart best, at least on humans. I'm not sure about mice, but anyway, they applied it dermally to the fifth ribs of the left thorax of the mice. The mice with the red light therapy group were subjected to 630 nanometers, which is in the red, and the light irradiance was 3 milliwatts per centimeter squared, which when you compare it to an LED panel is very, very low. Uh, when you compare it to, let's say, the Guardian device, that's actually pretty comparable because for the Guardian device, since that's going to irradiate gum tissue, which is more light sensitive, you want it to be lower light irradiance. And given that these mice are smaller, probably thinner skin, you, you kind of have to account for that. So again, they use 3 milliwatts. And so they did the irradiation seven times a week for 10 minutes each. So again, they only did seven treatments for 10 minutes each for a total of 70 minutes of treatment time over a week. And subsequently, they did a second echocardiographic analysis to assess the cardiac function of the mice. Uh, when we look at the results, it says that to screen for the appropriate wavelength of LED light irradiation to treat heart failure mice, the heart failure mice, they received either green LED light or red LED light. And the echocardiography showed that there was no difference in cardiac function between the heart failure group and heart failure plus green light group. However, 
the group that received red light therapy irradiation had upregulated the ejection fraction and fractional shortening of the hearts in the heart failure mice, both things which are positive. Both were upregulated with red light therapy. And so the above results demonstrated that red light therapy could improve myocardial contractile function because with the ejection fraction, that means you're ejecting more blood per contraction, which means more oxygen to the tissues and so on and so forth. This podcast was brought to you by the Longev Revive Cream. If you haven't heard of this cream before, go back and listen to the podcast interview with David Horanek, one of the people that helped create this amazing cream. The cream is specifically developed to enhance red light therapy treatment sessions. And not only that, but improve vibrational healing from the frequencies of full spectrum sunlight. The Revive includes special ingredients such as photodynamic amino acids, which helps convert UV light to red light. It increases production of this thing called fibronectin, which is said to be the holy grail of anti-aging. And then there's astaxanthin, which has been shown in clinical studies to increase skin moisture, moisture retention, and elasticity. There's turmeric, which contains an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and antimicrobial properties. There's copper peptides, which also has antioxidant, anti-inflammatory effects. C60 has high antioxidant power to prevent skin aging, 172 times more than vitamin C. And then there's also geranium rose, shungite, humic acids. And most of these ingredients are organic and they're all high, high quality. So if you want to check this cream out, go to longev.com, that's L-O-N-G-E-V-V.com, or you can also find it on biolite.shop, that's biolite.shop. And so then jumping into the discussion of this article, they go on to say that phototherapy has shown anti-inflammatory effects as well as better functional capacity in heart failure rats. These findings strongly suggest that red light therapy as a new therapy for heart failure. In this study, they applied a systematic red light therapy to reverse the decline in cardiac function induced by heart failure. With the application of this intervention, they demonstrated that the ejection fraction and fractional shortening were elevated in heart failure plus red light therapy group compared to those in the heart failure group, meaning the control group. Meanwhile, we found that the ventricular dilation, thinning of the ventricular wall, and the area of fibrosis were reduced in the hearts that were treated with red light therapy, suggesting that red light therapy slowed down the myocardial remodeling. These results confirm that red light therapy is an effective treatment for heart failure. Heart failure is characterized by a reduction in the number of cardiomyocytes, along with a decrease in cardiomyocyte contractility. In this study, they reported for the first time that the LED red light therapy group could upregulate calcium handling and cardiac function in single ventricular cardiomyocytes. Cardiomyocytes require large amounts of energy from mitochondria to maintain contractility and directly use ATP as an energy source, which is the only energy substance. More interestingly, they found that the red light therapy group significantly increased ATP levels in cardiomyocytes and cardiac tissue. These data indicate that the red light therapy treatments increased the synthesis of ATP, which is important for the enhancement of cardiomyocyte contractile function in the heart failure heart. It is important to highlight 
that this study illustrates the positive effect of red light therapy on cardiac function in the mice with heart failure. Furthermore, this finding provides an experimental basis and data support for further research and development of new treatment for heart failure. So, that discussion kind of summarized it pretty well that red light therapy helped basically improve oxygenation, improve energy levels, both of which are necessary for the contractility, for the recovery. When compared to the groups that either received green light or the control group that received nothing as it relates to heart failure. So I think this is a really good beginning for photobiomodulation and red light therapy because clearly it shows there is benefits to be had when proper dosage is utilized for treating the heart. What does this mean if, if someone wants to just do a prophylactic treatment for their hearts? You know, I don't know. Does that mean you get to augment energy levels or augment circulation or, or boost some other physiological makeup in the heart? If you're just doing it, you know, let's say you do a heart treatment once every two weeks or once every four weeks. Like, is there benefits to be had? I don't know. Just like with anything with red light therapy, it's extremely safe. There's no contraindications. Let's say you're a healthy person in general. Doing red light therapy on a consistent basis is still a healthy thing. So it makes you think or it would make one think that doing red light therapy specifically to your heart on a semi-regular basis may be beneficial. Again, that's not medical advice, but I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head here because what I do personally is maybe once a week, maybe twice a week, I'll do a red light therapy treatment specifically to my gut for multiple reasons, whether it's for stress or anxiety or just helping gut motility or just the gut microbiome in general. But I think it, it makes sense to treat your gut on a semi-regular basis with red light therapy. And then same thing for the brain, treating that frontal lobe on a semi-consistent basis. Of course, I'm doing full body treatments quite regularly as well. So those areas will get some love from full body treatments, but I also like to isolate them and increase the dosage in isolation to realize some of those benefits. So my point being, I, I think there's going to be a time and place where where people can do this for, for their heart and heart health as well. And so these next two articles, they're so recent that I wasn't able to get the full PDF or the full text. So I'm basically going to be going off of the abstract, which is better than nothing, but hopefully at some point I'll be able to get the full PDFs and share more with you guys. But the second one has to do with concussion and it came out at the beginning of January of this year. So a couple months old and it's entitled rehabilitation of persistent symptoms and neurocognitive deficits following sports related concussion in a professional hockey player, a case study. So this one's relatively near and dear to my heart because I grew up playing hockey. That was my main sport up here in Montana. While I don't think I got any concussions, I kind of played in an era that was just before concussions were a big deal. So I definitely got my bell rung a couple of times. And uh, between that and a couple of years I played football, I'm sure I got a couple of concussions. So, and I think anyone that has kids playing contact sports, or just anyone that bangs their head and has concussive symptoms, this type of research is going to have pretty large implications if red light therapy can be proven and shown to accelerate the healing process when it comes to concussions. But anyway, uh, again, this one is in a sports-related concussion with a professional hockey player. Their objective with this study was to demonstrate decreased post-concussive symptomology 
and neurocognitive improvements in a professional hockey player following a multimodal functional neurology approach to neurorehabilitation. And that brings up a good point that they're not just using red light therapy in this piece of research, or let's say you're trying to treat pain or you're trying to recover from depression. Red light therapy is just part of the recovery or healing approach. It's not the end-all, be-all. So again, in this study, they used photobiomodulation as part of a multimodal functional neurology approach. They go on to say that in the background that uh, hockey is one of the top three sports in which concussions occur and has one of the top 10 highest participation numbers of sports in the Northern Hemisphere. The investigation of treatment modalities is warranted given the prevalence of hockey throughout society. This case study presents a 31-year-old male professional hockey athlete who had sustained five diagnosed concussions with additional suspected concussions throughout his career. His symptoms remained after independently receiving physical therapy and vestibular rehabilitation, causing an inability to continue playing hockey at a professional level. So again, this guy's 31 years old, so just a little bit younger than me, sustained five diagnosed concussions, probably had more, like it says here, and his symptoms remained or continued even after receiving physical therapy and vestibular rehabilitation. Moving on to the design and methods of this article, it says that the patient was prescribed 10 treatment sessions over five contiguous days at an outpatient neurorehabilitation center specializing in functional neurology. They went through a neurocognitive assessment and graded symptom checklist that they utilized at intake and discharge. And multimodal treatment interventions included transcranial photobiomodulation, non-invasive neuromodulation of the lingual branch of the trigeminal nerve, hand-eye coordination training, vestibular rehabilitation, utilizing a three-axis whole-body off-axis rotational device, that's a mouthful, and cognitive training. So this guy was getting the works on top of his transcranial photobiomodulation. And the results here, I'm not going to read everything because it's a lot of just names of tests and, and numbers, but I will say that on discharge, the patient experienced an 81% improvement in self-reported symptoms. One of them was what's called the trail-making test. It improved 30%. Something called the simple reaction time was 8% faster. And a test called the choice reaction time was 24% faster. So again, this was only over or five days. So 10 treatments, so two treatments a day. And he saw those improvements, 30%, 8%, and 24% in those three respective tests. So the conclusions of the study goes on to say, the present case study results demonstrated meaningful improvements in both self-rated concussion symptoms and neurocognitive performance for this patient. The press suggests further investigation into functional neurology-based multimodal intensive approaches to decrease chronic post-concussion symptoms and improve neurocognitive performance in athletes that engage in hockey. And that's the abstract. That's everything I have, I have to share relative to this article. But regardless, it's very promising to see that they're incorporating transcranial photobiomodulation into this multimodal approach for, for post-concussive symptoms. 
the first place I worked as a physical therapist, we specialized in, in concussions, and there was nothing like this to be had as far as transcranial photobiomodulation. So hopefully this is kind of a change in the wind, and maybe this will become more of a standard of practice if more of this type of research comes out that can show the promising healing benefits of red light therapy. And unfortunately, with this abstract, I don't even know what wavelength they used, how long they used transcranial photobiomodulation and stuff like that. So hopefully when this article comes out, I'm able to get the full PDF. I'll expound on that. But just know that regardless, it's cool to see that for sports or regardless if it's sports or not, that they're starting to integrate transcranial photobiomodulation for healing the brain. And then moving on to the last piece of research. So we've covered the heart, we've covered the brain, and now we're going to cover the gut. And this one is entitled Modifying the Microbiome as a Potential Mechanism of Photobiomodulation, a case report. Uh, this one came out February 16th, so less than a month ago. So likewise, as with the previous article, I don't have a full PDF. I just have the abstract. But still, this is cutting edge or hot off the press research, so I want to share it with you guys. Let's just move on here to the objective of the abstract. It says, the objective of this case study was to elucidate the effect of photobiomodulation on the microbiome. And just to step back for a second, oh, with prior research that I've shared, we've already shown on multiple studies that utilizing red light therapy with the proper dosage, you can increase the good bacteria, decrease the bad bacteria. We've also shown how in a separate article that you can treat patients with Alzheimer's disease, diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and get positive symptoms by treating their gut because of the gut-brain axis. So we're starting to see a, an increase in the interest of treating the gut to help the brain or treating the gut to increase the gut microbiome itself. And then you get the indirect results uh, systemically because of a healthy gut. And likewise, I'm hoping that we'll continue to see more of that type of research or that type of snowball effect with concussions or with, with brain injuries that we've seen with gut health. But moving on to the background of this article, it says that the gut microbiome has been identified as a key component of health with gut dysbiosis characterized by decreased microbial diversity and an altered microbial composition being recognized as instrumental in many diseases and disorders. Previous research has suggested that the gut microbiome can be favorably altered in animals using photobiomodulation, probably the articles I just alluded to. And moving on to the materials and methods, it says that the participant had their microbiome tested on nine occasions, three times before any treatment, three times after radiotherapy and commencement of immunotherapy for breast cancer, and three times after photobiomodulation treatment. The photobiomodulation treatment consisted of infrared laser treatment at 904 nanometers. They did a pulse frequency of 700 hertz, and the treatment was 861 total joules, which is a lot, I'll tell you that. So they did it to the abdomen three times per week for 11 weeks, and so they had 33 total treatments uh, to the gut. And so the results were that the microbiome of the participant showed significant changes in the diversity after photobiomodulation treatment, but not after cancer therapy, with an increase uh, in the number of known beneficial bacteria and a decrease in the number of potentially pathogenic genera. Uh, again, it says that the participant showed increased 
or significant changes after photobiomodulation treatment, but not after cancer therapy. If I'm ever able to get my hands on this PDF, I'll kind of dig a little deeper into this. But it sounds like, again, this is a case report. So this is an individual clearly dealing with breast cancer and trying to improve the gut microbiome via red light therapy. And it sounds like the gut microbiome did improve after red light therapy treatment, but it did not. I'm guessing the, the microbiome did not improve after cancer therapy is what I'm getting from that. If I get my hands on this article, I'll kind of dig a little deeper, but that's what I have. And so the conclusions of this study are, it says that the results suggested the possibility that photobiomodulation may alter the microbiome and thus it represents a therapeutic avenue for chronic diseases with otherwise limited treatment options. And I think that's kind of the take-home message. Again, this is just a case report, one person, not the strongest form of evidence. But again, like I explained with Kygo earlier in this podcast, I was able to heal this massive cut in his lip with only red light therapy. And while that's only one dog or, or one person treating a dog with red light therapy, man, I mean, I'm a believer just because I treated my dog that way. Do we need to get 100 dogs in, in a scientific clinical study to to prove that <laughs> a red light therapy helps with with healing, you know, cuts or, or wounds in the lip. It's like, no, I don't think so. That does make the evidence stronger, but just because it's an anecdote doesn't make it extremely weak or untrue. So my point here is while this is just a case report, it does show positive results, improving the number of beneficial bacteria and decreasing potentially pathogenic bacteria. And again, the line of the study here is it represents a therapeutic avenue for chronic diseases with otherwise limited treatment options. And there's a lot of chronic diseases with limited treatment options. So if more of this type of anecdotal evidence or case reports comes out and shows that photobiomodulation can play a role, again, non-invasive, you know, I'll say it again, and you guys are probably going to get sick of me saying this, but red light therapy, non-invasive, safe effective. Do it in the comfort of your home. You can use it for so many different things. It's a Swiss army knife as a healing modality. So again, as this type of research comes out, red light therapy is going to be able to play a role in so many chronic diseases and other conditions, cancers, that you don't have to wait for the research to prove it. As long as you know the physiological mechanisms of how red light therapy works, you can darn well take it to the bank that it's some way, somehow, going to help your health and wellness with an array of health conditions. Because again, as, as Dr. Doug Wallace has said, 80% of modern diseases are directly tied to mitochondrial dysfunction. So just knowing that, again, you can take it to the bank that red light therapy can likely play a role in the healing and recovery process. But that's all I have for you today, guys. I know this was a shorter one, but again, three pieces of exciting research, all kind of unique in their own way showing how red light therapy can help with heart health as it relates to heart failure, how red light therapy has a role to play in concussions or, or post-traumatic brain injuries. And then also just another feather in the cap of how red light therapy can help improve the gut microbiome. And I believe it was Hippocrates who said that all disease begins in the gut. So if you can improve your gut microbiome via red light therapy, then I think Hippocrates would be a big fan of that. In fact, I think Hippocrates utilized full-spectrum sunlight to heal his patients and to heal those riddled with diseases, full-spectrum light. 
And as always, guys, I appreciate every single one of you for tuning in and listening if you've listened this far into the episode. Look forward to providing you with more of this type of research information. I hope you find it, you know, at least interesting, thought-provoking, and and potentially applicable at some point or on some level. But I'll sign off for now. As always, be well, and don't forget to recharge your human battery. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.